speed. Quiet down, settle down. Apples come in chocolate brown. Mmm, they're wonderful. Apples come in taffy gold. Mmm, they're scrumptious. Listen to me, all you folks. Hear me when I say, Apple Bar, Apple Bar, sends me all the way. We're going to need a bigger boat. Snakes. Why do they have to be snakes? Life, uh, finds a way. Hi, my name is Jeff, and welcome back to Spielberg Chronologically. With me for the rest of his life now is Eric. I'm fully committed. I'm in. Hi, I'm I'm Eric. Uh-huh. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you today? I am well. Uh, I I I slept well after watching Something Evil last <laughs> night. <laughs> it did not yes. disturb my dreams. I I um. Uh, demon movies are one of those things that I tend to shy away from. It's it's not for me. Um, uh, it, they say it in the movie, you know, do you believe in God? Well, then you must believe in the devil. You know, you can't have one without the other. Uh, and, uh, you know, th- th- I do believe in God, and so sometimes these devil movies get me. Um, but this one was no problem. It's interesting. It's interesting that you brought that up because... I, I was I was gonna mention this. Uh, like I I I'm a little bit older than you. I was born in '72, so I was a teenager in in the 1980s in the middle of the Satanic Panic. Are you fam- right. familiar with all that? Oh, believe me, my mom told me that the X Men cartoon looked Satanic. Yes, and I had thought that Dungeons and Dragons was basically demon worship, and yeah. I think that's definitely that is why. I have trouble with demon movies, right? Well, there is, there just... is a whole generation of kids that that were, I don't know, inflicted with this because I, I, I too have trouble with demon movies and it was because I was brought up to believe that being possessed by Satan was a very viable thing that could happen to you. You know, like I've got a buddy who got thrown out of his house uh, for playing D and D, and his parents actually did an exorcism on him. Like, oh lord! Oh yeah! Like in the eighties, it went there, you know. And uh, so, I mean, I've got lots of different stories about being disturbed by by stuff. And and there was actually one moment in this movie that kind of flipped me out for a second. Uh, and we can talk about it later. But um, but yeah, it, 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 that's obviously where my mind went watching something evil. Uh, which which precedes The Exorcist and a lot of the other demonic. Really, this is pre-Exorcist, okay? Because Exorcist is. is the one that uh, I've heard stories. You know, people left it and jumped off bridges, and they were immediately demon possessed. And I still have not watched that movie, right? Oh, it's, and yeah, I I did. Um, I have, and now it's one of my favorites. Um, but when I was a kid, until I was fifteen or sixteen, I couldn't even look at images like like. 
pictures right. from that movie would pop up like you'd be watching you know the top 10 scariest moments and they would show her face and i would be like i have to look away like i couldn't even right. deal with it and then when i was 16 years old i've always been a big horror fan uh i nutted up and i got drunk and decided <laughs> I was going to, I'm doing it. I'm watching The Exorcist. And I had already seen The Exorcist 3. I went and saw that at the Dollar Theater and really enjoyed it. It's George C. Scott. And it's just a really well put together horror film. Very good. And that was kind of my gateway into to seeing the original Exorcist, um, which then once I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a just a great film period, you know? And, mm-hmm. and when you see those things like in context and the slow progression, then it's not as bad but but like you the demon movies get me um, i don't know because i watched them so i'm obviously hitchcock chronology a huge psycho fan psycho's easily my favorite movie um and it stars anthony perkins and he has i don't know how many children he has but he has two that one is a, a musician and the other has become a film director of horror movies Really? And, okay. Uh, yeah, he directed a Hansel and Gretel one, but then he directed one for Netflix called uh, I Am the Person in the Walls or something like that. It's a ghost story. It's okay. But he directed another one called the um, something Coates' Daughter. I can't remember. And it's a demon movie. And it, yeah, I had that one got me like having trouble sleeping. And <laughs> I, so I went to see when my wife and I were. Uh, younger i went to see the exorcism of emily rose in the theater and there was a point in that movie where i had to get up and leave the theater like like Mm -hmm. i had to get up and go and like splash water on my face to kind of pull it together and my wife was you know like what the fuck like she she was raised like not religious she didn't have any of this you know uh in her background and she was like what's what's wrong with you man (laughs) yeah i can't i can't i can't you know and so, yeah, it's interesting that we both come from that that place uh, where you, you have these, you know, these childhood things that that bear down on you when you're watching these films. That said, yeah. something evil, not not yeah, to, is, not so much. Mild. This you'll be all right. You'll be okay unless you're already scared of crying, talking, uh, strawberry jam. So. Uh, <laughs> We watched Something Evil from 1972, obviously directed by Steven Spielberg. And now there's only one person. I recognized him first. And then I had to look him up. Uh, Darren McGavin. Darren McGavin. uh, Plays Paul Warden. And I'm like, I know this dude. So I I couldn't place it. He, uh, at least in my circles, most notably played Billy Madison's father. Oh, okay. Billy Madison. I know Um, him. I know him. From a lot of stuff. I know a lot of this cast. I, I was pretty excited when people started popping up because I was like, oh, I know, I know who these people are. Uh, but Darren, oh, Darren McGavin <laughs> is definitely the most the most prominent in my mind because he was Kolchek, the Night Stalker, which was a okay. uh, a 70s, like almost like a X-Files style show. It was a series of TV movies. And then they had a brief series uh, that went off of it. And he was like a, uh, a vampire hunter guy. And, and so I knew him from that. And then, like you said, he was Billy Madison's father. He's been in, like, lots of stuff. He's definitely a face you recognize. Um, the mom, Marge, uh, Sandy Dennis, won an Oscar for playing the younger wife in Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, which I don't know if you've oh, ever okay. seen that movie. Nope. 
it is well not. worth a look, man. It is bonkers. My there's <laughs> another one I watched with my wife, and uh, it's Liz Taylor and Richard Burton, and they are two like college professor types, and they invite this younger couple over to their house to uh just have a, a pleasant evening and then they proceed to like just get hammered and just fling insults at each other to the point where you think at some point like somebody's gonna die like, like it's wow. a crazy yeah, 66. movie six okay yeah well yeah, worth I'll a look mark this <laughs> and then uh the kid the oldest kid is um i'm really gonna show my age here he's jody of buffy and jody fame there was a tv sitcom um, in the late sixties called a family affair. And there was this, this, these two kids, Buffy and Jody and, mm-hmm. uh, their rich dad. And they were taken care of by this old guy, Mr. French. And anyhow, it doesn't matter. This kid was very recognizable to me immediately. Like I watched the show in reruns when I was a little kid. And so as soon as he popped up, I was like, Oh, it's Jody, it's Jody from Buffy and Jody. Uh, so he, at the time that this was made was probably, at the height of his fame like it was a pretty popular show you know it would almost be like casting uh arnold from different strokes you know at the height of different strokes you know um he at the time may have been the biggest name in this movie uh well i don't know sandy sandy dennis did win an oscar whatever but yeah a lot of a lot of recognizable people even the old guy um not the old the, guy the with the one who runs the farm? No, not the old or... guy with the chickens. The <laughs> the old guy with the books. <laughs> he was also okay. very recognizable. So so yeah, a really like surprisingly solid cast in this. I didn't go into expecting to recognize anybody, and instead I recognized almost everybody. Wow. Yeah, I only, of course, recognized the dad from Billy Madison. Um and this uh so any uh first thoughts about this one um uh, it's not as good as duel uh, it is not as good as duel um it it is a tv horror movie from the 1970s i mean like i don't know i don't know what else i expected from it um it is super 70s like i loved seeing all the outfits and all the crap in in their house um another thing that struck me about this uh having just watched duel was how it was definitely definitely filmed for tv like it is all yeah. super close close-ups like like two or three heads in a frame you know um and i don't know what version what 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 copy you watched but i watched I, you, just on youtube it was from star's family somebody had grabbed it off of oh yep star's That's family the one i saw and which so, i thought was family who's putting us on with the kids up right. who's the stars family programmer what the <laughs> hell are they doing the manson family but it was like kind of lower resolution and in watching it in that resolution i was like oh this is why it's filmed this way because that's how tvs were back then you know they were pretty right. low resolution and grainy and stuff and so that's why everybody's face is like giant in the frame and so people watching at home on their 19 inch tvs could tell what the hell was going on you know yeah that's a good point so uh this movie starts off they're they're having a picnic on somebody's property for no reason in particular. They just roll up onto somebody's lawn <laughs> or like put the blanket down. <laughs> it's lunchtime. Let's have a picnic. His wife is painting. Um the kid is running around she, like a lunatic on somebody's property like 
you know, going on the porch, goes looking in, in like, the windows. up to the front door, nearly ding dong ditches them. And, uh, but this house is for sale and, uh, our protagonist is painting it. Um, uh, Marjorie is painting this house and decides that she wants to live here. Keep in mind that this is a two hour commute for, uh, Paul, the, uh, Billy Madison's dad. And yet she's like, yeah, I still want the house. Yeah, and it's funny because he just kind of gives in. Like, for a while, for for a minute, he's like, this is really far away. We can barely afford this. You know, I don't know if we're going to do this. And she's like, but I really want the house, Paul. And he's like, all right, fine. Yeah, we'll just buy, we'll buy the house. Uh, yeah, we can do it. We'll make it work. He, I, I that's an impulse buy uh, if I've ever seen one. Just, uh, oh, this house looks nice. And then you just, this guy has to be totally liquid. I don't understand <laughs> what's like, yeah. so he's an advertising director. Yeah. Like, like he a, makes commercials. He makes commercials. Stuff? Yeah. And, and yeah, it is interesting because he, he does just give in on the spot to buying this house and he goes and knocks on the door and there's an old guy in there. And I never quite, I, I wasn't, it didn't jibe for me whether that guy owned the property or if he was just like the caretaker for the property because after they buy the house that old guy like stays around like like he says i'll work the property for you so i kind of got the impression that the previous owners had left and he was just kind of taking care of the place later on in the movie another character talks to marjorie and says that the previous owner died here and he doesn't think it was a suicide or he doesn't think it was an accident yeah so I I don't know how I, that works, Like, but apparently this caretaker uh, has the right to sell <laughs> this property. Oh, and you um, know what? We completely skipped the big dramatic opening and went right to the picnic. There's actually a scene at the beginning oh, of the movie with the previous yeah. owner dying. Like he's running, That's right. running through the property and the wind is blowing. There's a lot of wind. This is a very windy movie. The wind These is are blowing windy demons. and he goes into the barn and the hay is flying everywhere. And he crawls up into the loft, the hay loft of the barn. And there's kind of like a door there and he jumps out and he dies. So that yeah. happens before the picnic, then the picnic, then they buy the house from the old guy who's lurking, you know, being the caretaker. And so as Marjorie is exploring this new property she's bought, she likes to make these uh, what I would call mobiles, which you would put over a baby's bed. Uh, But she sees what's called a pentacle, which these look different than any I've ever seen. Um, They're just circles with little pieces of art. Designs. They're They're like designs, like geometric sort of designs, not like like a pentagram or like where you would picture with the star and the, you know, it's not that. It's more... I don't know. Like geometric designs, I guess, is in the circle is the best way to describe it. Yeah, and they're used to ward off evil spirits. And she goes, "Oh, that's nice." Now, this is what I don't. So, apparent. So that she gets fascinated by these and starts making clay pentacles and putting them on people and giving them out, and they protect people from evil. But apparent. Yeah, but apparently, this pisses off some sort of ancient evil. But by making the things that protect you, she is tempting the evil there. Yes. Well, the evil the evil is rather ill-defined in this movie. Yeah. And its motivations are also rather ill-defined. Like, in the end, there's just something evil 
around. Yeah. And right. It, it There's is, no. It's not that personified in any way or given a name or any sort of traits other than that it is evil. But yeah, so so she starts making these pentacle necklaces and mobiles and like hanging them, you know, in the house. And, uh, and, and she puts them on necklaces and she just kind of walks around like putting them on people and so on. So, so early on, they're filming a commercial here for uh, butter that goes on something. I don't know what apple this is. Bars. What is it? It's apple bars. Mm, apple bars. They're scrumptious. Mmm, <laughs> delicious. <laughs> yeah, they're, so he's filming this on his property, I guess, as a way to help, you know, justify buying a house at random. And there's a problem with there's some of the audio equipment is picking up some sort of noise, some hum or buzz. And uh, the actress in the commercial who apparently everyone's like this, she cannot sing. And I thought she did a pretty good job. I mean, it's a commercial. Yeah. Yeah. They, they all seem to agree that she could not sing, but that she was smoking hot. Like that was, that seemed to be like the gist of the conversation. I didn't think her singing her. was that bad. I mean, she's not Aretha, but for a commercial, it was, it was sure. okay. And the song was hysterical, but the butter, I, I'm sorry. It's, I'm going to call it butter for peanuts. I don't know what this is. Now, um, but anyway, she has one of the... She takes the pentacle off of uh, the, the kid. redhead kid, the yeah. oldest boy, and puts it on the microphone, and this eliminates that static noise. Right. She chased the evil away from the sound mix by putting yeah. the, <laughs> the, the pentacle on the microphone, which was well weird. Yeah, I don't mind it, like, because it's kind of interesting uh, to me, like, because uh, air frequencies and stuff, it, it it can, wires can pick up noise from the atmosphere. It's totally a true thing that happens. Oh, absolutely. We, uh, I used to be in a band, um, and we were recording one time at a studio, and we just had a happy accident where at the end of a song, the wire started picking up a local radio station. And it made it into the recording. Just weird, oh, yeah. weird, weird stuff like that happens, you know. Um, you ever seen Spinal Tap? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I work in uh, telecom, and I've worked in telecom for several decades, and it's very real. Like, just wiring can just pick up stuff. So if there's some sort of uh, spirit that's affecting these wavelengths or whatever, it, and then the pinnacle protect. All right, okay. That's, this isn't the problem. The problem starts that night when Marjorie hears crying. Well, wait, 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 wait. Okay. We're, we're jumping out a lot because... <laughs> Maybe I just want to get this over with. <laughs> after, after the shoot... Actually, I think she hears the crying before before the commercial shoot for the first time. Like Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, so she hears the crying and... She's walking through the house because they have a younger child. They have a, a like maybe three year old, two or three year old who little girl who looks like the kid from Poltergeist. Oh, a hundred percent Poltergeist kid. Yeah, a hundred percent. And they're always keeping this kid in the playpen. The kid's too big for the playpen, but they've always got this kid in the playpen. But anyhow, she hears the crying. She goes. She checks on the kids. It's not her kids. She wanders through the house. She's looking for the crying. She's looking for the crying. She goes out into the barn, chasing the sound of a crying baby. And then she sees an oven, like a like an old uh, 
like a cast iron wood stove like you would use to heat yeah. a pilgrim house or whatever and uh she opens that up of course there's not a baby in there it's a rat and then she just kind of shrugs it off like oh it's just a rat and she goes back in the house and goes to bed so now then, before then, this scene wasn't it before the scene that the redheaded kid went into the barn yeah, it could be. That redheaded kid is always running off into the barn and the shed. Like, throughout the movie, he's always running off. Well, there's an important part where he hears something where a door blows open and he goes into a barn. This, yes. This barn where babies are. And the door shuts behind him. And then nothing happens, right? And then he, nothing happens, yeah. You cut to another scene and she's talking to her neighbor who's given her some sort of occult books. And... Uh, he's like, yeah, I went in the barn. It's fine. You know, there's just jars of stuff in there. And that's the end of it. Right. Jars, jars of stuff in the shed. So, okay. So then they do the commercial shoot. Then after the commercial shoot, they have a party where they host oh, the loudest party in the history of parties. There are a couple really loud parties in this, in this movie where it's like, oh my God, get these people to shut up. It's like, everybody's in the same room screaming oh, wait, at no, the top this, of their lungs. Okay. No, this party is not the loudest. The, the no, next the, one is the, next the one, one that is was the super loud one. Yeah. Particularly painful to listen to and watch. Yeah. So and now, so there, all the all the Hollywood, uh, not Hollywood, but commercial shoot <laughs> types are there, yeah. and they're all having very commercial shoot type discussions. And the actress who sang the the apple bar mm, delicious mm, scrumptious song is walking around, and she's putting the necklaces on everybody at the party. She's putting the the pen, uh, pinnacle necklaces on everybody, and then uh, at the end of the party, you know, Joe Schmo producer guy wanders over to her and he's like mm, i'm gonna take you home blah. yeah and she's like yeah and so they go <laughs> and yeah <laughs> they get in the car and they're driving through the countryside assume like presumably back towards new york and then something goes horribly this wrong he's so stupid <laughs> <laughs> it looks like cracks just start appearing in the windshield it's definitely animated it's it's like a pretty poor effect at first i thought it was like a bug hitting the windshield but the then, first one yes yes but then like cracks just appear and then the car swerves off the road and here's your exploding car for you that you missed in duel I just know, right? just explodes like just <laughs> absolutely bursts into flame and rolls you know down the down the embankment on fire uh so so yes two people left the party at the house and were killed so yeah and just a, an unintentionally hilarious scene i was rolling yeah, because too. it it the, the windshield just shatters you get the screen turns red, and the next thing you know, they're flipping off a cliff. The car explodes, and I'm like, "Wow, okay, this is like, imagine a movie trying to be scary, and the very first kill is one of the most hilarious things you've ever seen." It took the edge off pretty quickly. It was pretty hysterical. So then, I think after that is when they go to the secondary loud party because there's a brief scene of them oh. like discussing the friends dying. And how it might have yeah. been their fault for inviting them or whatever, and they, the husband's like, "Nah, you can't, you can't, right? Put and that on right. us. Like it, 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 things like that just happen sometimes, and it's not our fault." Then they go to the screaming loud party with all the neighbors, and this thing is so insanely loud; it's so uncomfortable to listen to. 
everybody's screaming at the top of their lungs. But the point, the end point of the party is that they meet this neighbor guy. Mm, that's right. Who's really into the occult. He's an older dude. And uh, he he basically has all these books about pentacles and curses. And he, he likes to document weird happenings in the area. He's like the local historian guy who enjoys supernatural I, stuff. I would refer to him as a demonologist. Like he just, this is like his, his thing. I, and I get, and according to him, uh, you know, he's ran into stuff like this before. Super nonchalant about it. There was a demon yeah. in the house. Ha ha. I got rid of him. <laughs> like super... Yeah. I got rid of him by talking to him and I couldn't hear him and it pissed the demon off and he left. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that might have been your ex-wife. Now, <laughs> I <laughs> so she gets these books and paints a pinnacle in the kids' room. She does, in, in, and then they do an incantation. They do an incantation on the pinnacle that she paints in the room, which is supposed to protect them. So if they go onto that pinnacle in times of strife and trouble, the pinnacle will protect them from evil spirits. So. We also forgot to mention caretaker guy has periodically shown up out in the field in front of their house <laughs> with chickens with their heads chopped off. I refer to it as a chicken blood sprinkler. He <laughs> it's like a dance. cuts the chicken's head off and then he's like spinning, whipping them around, you know, and then just chicken blood everywhere. And I, I so there's more than just her and her their neighbor who also thinks that. There's some sort of spiritual thing happening. Yeah, here there's that there's chicken, there's chicken magic there, like trying to keep them safe, and she doesn't like it because she's unhappy with the death of the chickens. So she makes her husband chase that guy off. Um, yeah, and he but he gets fired. The gist is that in general, the people I don't want to call it in a neighborhood, but the people in this township or whatever seem to all pretty much agree that you know. There's evil stuff, and they seem very like at peace with with this idea that steps must be taken to protect yourself from evil, and and so on. They all just kind of like roll with it, you know. That's how yeah. it is here. There's evil stuff, and which is so you would think you would warn the guy before he buys the house, but I <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, the old guy's like, I'll just bring some dead chickens over on occasion. They'll yeah, be it'll be fine. It'll be fine. So well. Sh- yeah, like he gets kicked off, but and this, in my opinion, is where uh, this warding that he's been doing with chicken sprinklers has been working. Right, and they right. chase him away, and at that point, like things escalate. There's more crying baby in the barn. She goes out to the barn, and this is when the first right. time the jar reveals itself. <laughs> oh, it, the most terrifying jar in all of cinema is crying, and it's like, red on the middle and like whatever's in there is swelling while it cries and she screams bloody murder and runs away there's a yeah it's like pulsing it's a pulsing jar of goop with a red core it is a very scary jar to her she is we are being sarcastic oh to her yes (laughs) to her she's just terrified by the jar terrified you ever you ever seen those episodes of mori where they're like scared of mustard (laughs) it's basically that um So and this is that's the enemy of this film is this pulsating jar of strawberry jam. Essentially, yeah, that's the personification of the evil. Yeah, 
Yeah. So as time goes on, she's getting more and more disturbed about being in this house. She's reading this old guy, the demonologist books. She's learning about the local history. And she continuously is calling her poor beleaguered husband at work. Like he's there trying to film commercials and fix the scrumptious Apple song and do, you know, have board meetings. And every time it's a horribly inconvenient time, the phone rings and they're like, it's for you. And it's his wife like, come home, come home. I'm unhappy here. I don't like it. Yeah. You're the one who wanted to buy this place, lady. And like, I'm kind of with him on this. Like, granted, there is, you know, putting your family first, which is very important. Right. But when she's like, I want us to leave he's, and sell this house that this is your idea. I, I was super resistant before. Well, not resistant enough, apparently. But, yeah, she's wanting to take off. Rightly so. Um, it's funny because, because this movie was made before, like, Amityville and all the other, like, big famous haunted house movies where, like, the whole idea is, like, we got to get the hell out of this house. You know, like... This became yeah. it, beca- it becomes a trope over time where one of the characters is experiencing the supernatural thing and the spouse is not. And they're like, eh, you're crazy. We spent all this money. We have to stay here. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of just an, an early example of that trope. But essentially, as husband is commuting two hours to and from New York and working, wife is there slowly going nuts, believing that the demons are real and they may be trying to possess her and you know there's that jar situation and the rat baby (laughs) and like like stuff is not going well and so at one point she's outside and she's got both kids out there of course the little ones in the playpen and the big one is just running around like playing kind of spans and doing what he's been doing the entire film right just running around and he runs off i think into the shed he runs into some structure. Is. Like, it's kind of blurry. Like, it looks like a tree with a door in it almost. It's, you know, what like, are those things in the garden? Trellis, right? Trellis. It looks like trellises covered in, uh, like, vines and stuff. And he goes inside. And she and, had looked away for a moment or gone inside for a second. She comes out. He's not there. The daughter's by herself. So, like, she realizes that he's gone into this thing. So she chases after him. And then the wind comes. It's the wind. Very windy in the trellis. And it's like like she's screaming for the kid. What's his name? What's the kid's name? Because she's screaming his name over and over and over again. Yeah. It reminded um, me of uh, that video game with the dad looking for Sean. Sean? 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 Uh it doesn't matter. I don't know his name. It's it's not it's not immediately available. But the the vines in the trellis are almost doing an evil dead on her. Like at certain points they've like got her hair and they're kind of pulling her hair out in different directions and so on. She finds the kid in there. So she hugs the kid. She loves the kid. She's happy that she found the kid in there. Right. And then in- it takes a turn. Yeah, she loses it and she beats the bricks off of this boy. <laughs> <laughs> she beats this kid's ass. Like, there is a long shot, like, from far uh, away. Stevie is the child's Stevie, name. Right. Stevie, Stevie. Uh, from across the street of her just whomping on this kid and, like, throwing him around. <laughs> they must have done that so they could have a stunt kid or something because nobody's throwing around Jody. But, uh, yeah. 
yeah, she she whoops him really bad. And then afterwards, of course, she calls her husband and is like, you have to come home. I've done something terrible. And, and at and that point, I didn't know if the kid was dead. Like, I was like, oh, maybe she killed the kid. Yeah. And she is now sort of convinced that she is the problem, that uh, I, I've been possessed. Um, and, you know, and I'm, I hope I'm not skipping too much, but she goes upstairs and the kids are all in their rooms. Now, uh, there's a point where another attack happens and they all get in the pinnacle and it tends to protect them. It's right before she calls her husband at work again. And he, she lets him know Stevie, Hey, I'm your mommy. Can't take care of you anymore. You need to watch over your sister. Who's Lori. Who's played by a set of twins, uh, Debbie and Sandy Lampert. If you know, think you're Mary Kate Nashley, but you know, before their time. Um, and, you got to take care of them, take care of her. Uh, and then she goes into this barn where we see this is the same location that the opening of the film takes place. Yes. And again, and she, the wind starts whipping up and she goes, and she's about to kill herself. You're running through the barn, hay everywhere, crawls up into the hayloft and she's about to kill herself. And out of nowhere, and now is this Harry? Is that this is the guy with the, this is the guy who's been chicken sprinkling it's the, the chicken whole guy. Chicken property guy. yeah he comes up and grabs her and saves her and he's like no it's your son and i'm like oh that would be so much more effective in a better movie and <laughs> he says yeah, i put it all together i've put it all together like how the hell did you put that together like, he wasn't they, even there they threw like, you I'm, off the property <laughs> but he figured oh by the way we forgot to mention that uh mr bookman is killed at some point kind of uh, another attack kind of like it was unclear if he was dead or not uh, and we circle yeah. back around to that because his, his like nephew comes around and is like have you seen my uncle but it, and it, it like cuts away as the screen turns red which is similar to what happened to the couple in the vehicle yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, perhaps he is dead. I'm assuming he's dead. And uh but so they go inside to the son who is now hovering. Yeah, the husband rolls up right at that moment when they're going in the house and they quickly fill him in like it's the son and everybody chicken man and the husband and the wife run in and there's like some we can't get through the door beating of the door situation right. that goes on and then she and, and, she gets in. And the little girls in there too. Yeah. And so mom gets in and he's floating around and it, being appropriately evil. I oh, mean, yeah. Yeah. He, I he, think he does a good job. He does a good job. He is floating in the air and uh, he says something creepy. I can't remember what he says. So he's in the air being evil and she like things start going crazy. She grabs him and pulls him into the pentacle. Now, there's a scene where again, Bookman earlier in the movie tells her there's things more powerful than Pentacles uh, love. And yeah. so she holds her son. I love you. I love you, Stevie. I love you. And this is uh, enough to exercise the demon. Right. Uh, and uh, they move out. I, I mean, but the kid at this point now, when at the last shot of the movie is them leaving in the car and he's looking out the rear window. I'm like, oh, that kid is still evil, bro. <laughs> yeah, he could still be evil. 
Yeah, we also forgot to mention that the the dad came home because they were looking over the footage of the Apple Bar commercial, and oh, and there's a there's a red eyes. there's yeah. red eyes there's red eyes looking out the window in one of the shots, and at that point yeah. he becomes convinced that his wife is uh, not crazy after all, and and that maybe there is something evil in the house. That could have been anything. And but the there's another scene too where she hears the crying again, but this time the jar of jam is in the pantry. It's in the house. The and jar has moved it's in inside the house this time. Yeah, uh, this movie. Um, <laughs> I like. I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I don't. I don't hate it either. It felt very much of its time. It felt very much a TV movie, so there's not going to be any, you know, gory kills or, you know, uh, anything too excessive, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was it was okay. It was okay for what That's it was. A higher praise than I'm willing to give it. It. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting in that. You know, it's early, early Spielberg, and you kind of want to see where he came from. So it's kind of worth watching. It's short. Um, and I I think it's good to watch some of his stuff that's not good, too, to understand when he gets good. I mean, we're at this point, we're three movies away from Jaws. So um, it's going to happen pretty fast Yeah, to it- come from this to Jaws. You know, it's... Yeah, three years apart so uh, i mean he's about to become the household name pretty quickly here yeah you can definitely feel him cutting his teeth on this stuff there are a few shots that felt very spielbergian at the beginning when the dad is talking to the chicken man uh there's one of these shots that the camera is down low and it's looking up at them. And I think the dad's in the foreground and the, the chicken man is kind of set back behind him a little bit. And I was like, oh, there's yeah. a, there's a Spielberg shot. You know, like that's that's 100% Steven Spielberg, that low camera looking up at people with a light coming behind them, you know. Yep. Uh, there's another interesting shot. And I, I know they must have done it on purpose. And I, I couldn't quite grasp why they did it. But it is interesting. Um at the point when the wife is in the house and the book guy's nephew comes to talk to her and say, hey, my, my uncle was attacked last night and he's in the hospital, da 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 She leaves the chain on the door and she opens yeah. the door and it's just open enough, you know, for that chain to be tight. And as the nephew is talking, he's just perfectly positioned so that his eyes are in the links of the chain and oh yeah, I did it, not notice that. It's it's one of these things where like I know they must have been like okay, a little to your left, like now down a little bit, so they could like line that up perfectly with his eyes in the chain. But I mean, maybe they did it because they thought it was cool. <laughs> like, I yeah, I mean that is cool. I'm I'm like I didn't notice it, so it wasn't like what a like ham fisted or anything. Yeah. Um, I a couple more notes here. One of the things when they're at this second loud party. That you hear all the time. Hey, here are the people who our friends were killed, uh, right. whose friends were killed on my property. Over right. and over. Every <laughs> That's how we introduce they, them to everybody. We, These are the people whose friends were killed. <laughs> hey, weren't your friends killed on this property? Like, just the whole party. 
it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> it is kind of hilarious, and they just smile and shake hands with everybody. <laughs> like, yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for bringing it up, dicks. Like, <laughs> and this is like a hard cut after they were in bed, and she's having a hard time processing having these people at her party who died leaving. Um, yeah, it that was pretty funny to me. Uh, also, at one point, um, uh, Billy Madison's dad uses implied when he should have used inferred. Uh, so I'm taking points off for that. But uh, other than that, you know. It's fine. It is fine. It is. It is fine. You're right. Like I saw, I saw early strains of poltergeist in there, you know, like, like you can, you can feel like the half formed gelatinous DNA of poltergeist in this movie, you know? Um, But again, it is, it is a TV movie for the time, but I want to, I want to talk about the jar a little bit. (laughs) Oh, please. I'm, I'm here for it. So there's this Ray Bradbury story called The Jar. Uh, you're familiar with Ray Bradbury, right? Science fiction uh, writer? Fahrenheit? Yep, 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 yep. So back in the 40s, he, he made you know, his living writing a lot of short stories. And so there's this 1944 short story called The Jar. And it's one of his uh, carnival stories. Like, you know, th- something wicked this way comes. Things go bad at the carnival all the time. So there's this guy. Something this- evil this way comes. Is that what it is? No. Oh, something evil. I but get it. We're watching something you, evil. You're I'm making an idiot. a joke. Let's go. You're making a joke. I, no, it was bad, and missed, I'm okay with I that. I missed the joke. <laughs> There's this guy at the carnival. He's he pays his dime. He goes in the sideshow, and what's in there is this jar. And there's something in the jar, but he can't quite put his finger on what it is. So he offers to buy the jar, and the guy sells him the jar. He takes the jar home. He shows it to some neighbors, and everybody sees something different in the jar. Huh. Right. Like, oh, it's a head. Oh, it has blue eyes. Oh, it has brown eyes. It has red hair. It has black hair. It's a wolf. It's my dead son. You know, like everybody sees something different. And so this guy puts the jar on the mantle. And then every week, once a week, all the neighborhood people come and they sit there and they stare at the jar and they discuss what could be in the jar. And over the course of the story, it becomes clear that whatever is in the jar is evil. And yeah. it might be some Lovecraftian, weird, primordial force in the jar. Like one guy says, all of life has come from that jar and we're all going back to that jar. You know, like it's got just this weird, <laughs> yeah. there, there's something off. There's something otherworldly going on in this jar and, and they all become super obsessed with it. And, uh, what happens in the story doesn't matter. But what made me think of that, of course, was the jar. And it made me think, like, this is maybe the spiritual sequel to the jar. And this is what happens after all those people die and the jar is just left in the shed on the property. And then somebody new moves in and comes across. Oh, I like comes that. Across I the jar. also so now we've connected this short story. I also think this is a prequel to Billy Madison. Uh, <laughs> they have another kid, and uh, it, her they get divorced because she's totally nuts and takes the two kids, and that leads into Billy Madison. And uh, after he starts a chain of hotels, that's from why retiring. From, that's why Billy uh, has these maturity problems because right. He, because he's his been mom raised. wasn't there, and that's why he sees women kind of skewed, uh, you know. Um, yeah, so definitely this is a trilogy of films. 
uh, or well, it starts with a short story, then a film, and then Billy Madison is the conclusion of uh, the arc of the jar. Yeah, yeah. So final final thoughts on something evil? Like thumbs up, it's, thumbs down. Should people even bother watching this? Um, I, no. I mean, it's the problem is is Hitchcock has so much worse. Like if I had watched this. In the midst of the Hitchcock run, I'd be like, ah, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I it, it's it's free on YouTube. If you want to watch it, go watch it. It's not going to ruin your day or anything. But it's also not it's not going to do anything for you one way or the other, I think, personally. How about you? Yeah, I, I feel like it's kind of an unrewarding watch. Like, if you're a Spielberg completionist and you got to see every single thing, then of course go ahead and like i said you can see some dna of later stuff kind of popping up in this but unlike duel which i actually got into yes i would say that this is an unrewarding don't go into it expecting to pull a lot out of it uh other than just a very bare bones basic demon haunted house story yeah, and, and I can definitely say uh, Duel is a must-see. I think you should watch Duel, um, whereas this is, like, fine. Um, right. And and thus, next week, the TV movie era comes to an end. Uh, Hitchcock had the silent movie era, which was a lot longer and a whole lot worse. And uh, Spielberg has the TV movie era, which comes to an end with 1973's Savage. Um now, this, uh, the, the synopsis from IMDb, a TV reporter investigates compromising photographs of a nominee to the Supreme Court. Uh, okay. I mean, political, Martin Landau's in this. Political okay. thriller Martin Landau, though. So at least you know it's not going to be horrible, horrible. Yeah, this is early Martin Landau. This is uh, uh, post um, uh, North by Northwest. So, you know, we got that going for us. It's also on YouTube, uh, so you can find it there. The way I find these movies that aren't available to rent or through some sort of streaming services, I just throw it in Google and click the videos button, and inevitably it'll show up, whatever it is. And so that's how I found this week's movie and next week. So, And then after that, we actually get into the theaters uh, with, you know, that movie. So, sure, Atlanta How you Express, feeling, right? too? too Two movies in. Yeah, that's Sugarland something. I don't know. That's the one with Goldie Hawn. Right, right, right. I'm feeling pretty good. I'm uh, I'm enjoying it. I, I like seeing these early films and, and kind of, uh, you know, getting the roots level look at Spielberg as he's, you know, learning his craft. And so, yeah, yeah, I'm uh, feeling pretty good about it. Looking forward to next right. week's. We'll, we'll see how it goes. How do we want to handle, like, plugging stuff just point people in the direction of the uh notes or do you want to go through your spiel every episode no i don't think we need to go through the spiel every episode i think uh Uh, yeah you can we we both do several podcasts and uh other things and and if you'd like to find the other stuff that that we do take a look at the the show notes yeah i've got links in the show notes you can click the clickables and um uh find uh eric's youtube channel the gaming nexus show uh, the movie draft house budget arcade all that stuff is down in the uh description so go ahead and give that a click and uh we'll see you next week or two weeks from now whew, 
for uh, what is it? It's called Savage. Savage. I don't know how sa- Savage it is, but that's the name of it. It did like I was expecting with a name like that. Werewolves. We've had back-to-back sort of horror movies and that's political thriller. Come on. Yeah, man. I was thinking like Tarzan. You know, <laughs> something. Some sort something. of jungle situation. Who knows? Maybe this will blow us away. We'll see. But uh, until then, we'll catch you next week. Uh, that's it. Bye. Bye.